Genesis chapter number 39. Uh, I told you that um, throughout, at least for right now, maybe not throughout the year, um, but as we read through um, the, the Bible reading plan, um, I'll, I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of go kind of along with that. Now, uh, Lori at lunch today, she said, how did you already get to Genesis 32? She said, I'm not there. Now I realize that she's doing the, the chronological, and so she's, she's not quite that far. So if you are reading the chronological plan, then, then you may not be to these. Of course, I'm sure that you've read them uh, before, uh, but if you have not uh, followed along in the Bible reading plan, I encourage you to do that. There's still uh, a couple of those up here, and if, if there's not what you're looking for, let me know. I'll be happy uh, to print it off. Uh, I could also send you, if you'd like it, I could send you the file that you can download on your phone and then it just kind of shows up in your calendar every day what you're supposed to read. So if anybody wants that, let me know. Genesis chapter number 39, uh, verse number 1 down through verse number 6 uh, is our reading tonight. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an official, or excuse me, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, uh, and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time, excuse me, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house, and in the field, and he left all that he had in in Joseph's hands, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now, as we read this, we come to um, just if you're here this morning, you come to that connection, of course. Genesis 32 is where we read this morning, and uh, you know that. We may reference this in the in the message a little bit later, but you know that um, Jacob saved Joseph and his mother Rachel for the very last as he separated them or divided his family. And I told you that that may come back uh, uh, to bite him, if you will, uh, this morning because of the favoritism that he showed. Well, leading up to chapter number 39, you find that that is indeed what happened you find that Joseph was well-favored in the eyes of his dad, his father, Jacob, but he was not well-favored in the eyes of his brothers. Uh, and and there, was, there was that constant tension between them. And so we come to this point. If you were to read chapter number 38, you find that he was rejected and then sold into slavery by his um, by his brothers, you find that he was he would be later in this particular chapter imprisoned, but through it all, uh, he would be given power even in his quote unquote slavery to be able to feed all of his family and feed the people of Israel. 
And so there's a lot of different avenues that we can take in reading the life of Joseph. We can read about maybe some uh, some mistakes that he possibly made. We can, as far as pride goes, uh, we can read about the plan of God, how that God had all of these things uh, to be done, evil that was done to him, he says in chapter number 50, uh, but God meant it for good. And uh, And we have to be careful even in our own lives that as we are going through things, and it seems like everything is against us, that it may be that these things come against us because God means it for good in the end. And um, there's a fine line there, and we've mentioned this before, that some things that we give give credit to God for the trial that we're going through may be a trial of our own making, and uh, it's maybe an effect of our sin or our choices. So uh, you need to be very careful when you're when you're giving credit to the trials that you're going through. Uh, it may be because of something you've done, but then again, it could be because it is the plan of God. Now, the good thing is, is even if it was your fault and it's because of some trouble that you're in, uh, that you're in this trial, I'm glad that God can work that for good. Aren't you glad of that tonight? And so tonight, I want to try to preach on this thought, making Joseph. Making Joseph. And, and there's things that happened in his life, and here... We get a, a kind of an in-depth uh, introduction to Joseph here. Uh, up to this point, we didn't really uh, have a lot of information outside what I gave you there in the introduction. Uh, but I want us to look first of all at the testimony of Joseph. We just read verses 1 down through verse number 6. And so very quickly, I'll preach tonight the testimony of Joseph we see that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. If you were to look back in verse number 3, it says just that. His master, this Egyptian, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And so though this was an Egyptian, he realized who Jehovah was. That's this Lord that he mentions there in the Scripture. He knew that something was different about Joseph. He knew not only that something was different about him, but I believe that according to Scripture, he knew that God, the God of the Israelites, uh, was with him. And this was not just some uh, some uh, witchcraft. This was not some uh, just a run of the uh, of luck that Joseph was experiencing. But there was something different about him. Uh, now, in making Joseph, we also have to wonder what really makes us who we are. And so, along with with this, I ask you if people really see a difference in you. Uh, if, if, if it were to come to this where we had to go into a lineup and someone had to pick out the Christian, is there enough about you uh, that you could be drawn out in that lineup? Uh, I remember several, several years ago, preachers uh, or a few different preachers preached on the thought about um, is there enough about you to convict you to be a Christian? And that, that question is still relevant today. Uh, if we were to be put on trial, could we truly be convicted of being a Christian or would we be like everyone else? But in this testimony of Joseph, we also see that Joseph had a servant's heart. Now, there is a difference between being an employee and being a servant, if you will. In this case, <clears throat> a servant is a slave. 
But even in that, they have a very similar thought according to Scripture. In Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto, or as to the Lord, and not unto men. We've tried to teach our girls this, and it goes from the way they dress to the way they act to the way they sing, to the way they smile, to the way they are friends. And it has to do with giving honor to God in everything that we do, whether we are enslaved, as Joseph was, or whether we are an employee, or whether we are in service of somehow, we must do it to the glory of God. And I believe that's the way that Joseph uh, conducted himself. Not only was he uh, did he have a servant's heart in that he worked, but I believe also he had a servant's heart in that he was consistent. Got up every day and he did the things that he was supposed to do. Yes, he was enslaved. Yes, he was away from his family. Yes, he was not where he wanted to be, but he was right where God needed him to be. And in that, he was consistent in showing God in everything that he did. So again, I wonder, could that be said about us tonight? Joseph's faithfulness led to greater opportunities. Now, if you were to read this entire chapter, you would find that something bad is about to happen. And you would find that he is soon, towards the end of this chapter, he's going to find himself in prison. And he will be in prison for many years before God's plan comes to fruition. But I want us to know this, if we are faithful in these things, such as being a servant then that may lead to God giving us larger, bigger, better things in the end of this. If we're not careful, we will say, well, I'm a servant. I don't owe this person anything. And we will have a bad attitude about our circumstance and not allow God to work in that. And what we're going to find ourselves in, Kurt, is right where we've always been, at the very bottom of God's plan in our lives. Joseph was blessed, but according to verse number 5 and verse number 6, he became a blessing. Look with me. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him, Joseph, overseer of his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And so because of Joseph. This Egyptian was blessed. Because of the testimony of Joseph, he became a blessing. Not only was he blessed, but he became a blessing. Number two, I want us to notice the temptation of Joseph. We're not going to read all of this, but from verse number 7 down through verse number 12, I believe it is, we find this temptation. And uh, if you've read it, and you should have read it, hopefully this week, um, you you know that the, that Potiphar's wife was infatuated with Joseph. Now, we could take this in a bunch of different ways, uh, whether this was something that Joseph had done, we do not know, uh, whether this was just a test 
um, on Joseph. We do not know whether this was legit, a legitimate infatuation. We do not know. But face value, we see that she wanted this, this Egyptian's wife wanted to be with Joseph. And at every turn, she tried to get closer to him until eventually in verse number, I believe it's verse number uh, 10, 11, and 12, we find that she, she saw him alone and the, her plan had come to, to the pinnacle and he finally just ran away. But in running away, we find that that's where uh, she began to make up a story and he ended up in prison. So with, with all of that, we look at the temptation of Joseph. The temptation will come to all of us at some point or another. Now, I'm not just talking about a temptation like this, just in general. Um, and we need to understand that being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. But when we yield to that temptation is when it becomes a sin. Y'all hearing me tonight? So just because you've had a week and you've been tempted, that doesn't make you less of a Christian. That doesn't make you, uh, uh, that doesn't make you just a horrible person. But when you fall into those temptations, that's what hinders our testimony. And as we're talking about Joseph, we look at his temptation, but we learn uh, from it that it can come from unexpected sources. Here was his master, and his master's wife is the one that tried to grip him into temptation. And if we're not careful, we'll surround ourselves with people, men, women, and children that we call our friends, but they are just a temptation. What can, what can this temptation be? It can be a temptation to gossip. Gossip is one of those things, if you're not careful, you're right in the middle of a gossip session and you don't even know how you got there. I mean, you, you, someone will ask you about something and the next thing you know, you're talking about what they did last year and you're talking about something they said yesterday and all of this. You begin to, you begin to gossip and it, it came from an unexpected source, but you became a part of it. Un, Expectedly, it's not how you began your day. It's not how you wanted to end your day, but now you're part of it. And so temptation can come in many different ways, whether it be uh, through something that you see or hear or uh, maybe a thought that comes or maybe uh, don't be surprised. Touch can can bring things to your mind that that may usher in a temptation. And so in all of these things, understand that you are not alone in it. We've mentioned this several times over and over in the last few months that Christ too was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And so if Christ was tempted in all of these things, then know that you may face temptation as well. But the way you react to it is what's going to make it different. We see not only does temptation come from unexpected sources, but temptation can be persistent in its attack. He didn't expect his master's wife to have uh, have it out for him in tempting him. But he also may have thought that as he re- refused it once, then that was it. But it kept on and it kept on and kept on. It was persistent in its attack. If you look with me at verse number 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph, 
day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. So Potiphar's wife kept after Joseph every single day. And if there's something, maybe you, maybe you dealt with something in, in your past and you got saved and, and that, you want that to be in your past. You wanted it to stay in your past. And then in that, Satan oftentimes will bring up that very thing and many times it's one thing right after another. One memory after another. One, one, uh, 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 I just said memory, excuse me. One thought right after another that brings back those things that, that tend to enslave us all over again. And you finally have to lay it down every day and every day and every day. See, that's what temptation does day by day. Day in and day out, temptation wants to get a hold of you. And so in that, we must be diligent at all times. Peter said that we need to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil. But we need to, even in temptation, when, when it's slight, when it's something small, we, we need to be diligent in what we're doing. It could... Uh, a, a, a deeper sin could come from a, a, a word. It could come from. It could. It could come. I just mentioned it could come from a memory. And we think, well, if I just do this one little thing, it's not going to amount to anything. But that one little thing could mount on top of something else and something else until you're finally. You've separated yourself. You've broken fellowship with God. You're away from Him. You've, you've become, we don't use this word a whole lot, but you've become backslidden on God. So how are you going to react to temptation? We saw the testimony of Joseph, the temptation of Joseph. But now, let's, let's, let's notice just this right before the triumph of Joseph. We need to avoid these temptations. I'll give you just a couple of scriptures. 11 and verse 12, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went to the house to do his business. Now, he was supposed to be there, right? He was supposed to be there. So he went there to do what? His business. And there was none of the men of the house therein. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, again, right here we can be very critical of Joseph. We can be very critical because of a New Testament verse that we find in First Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay? And we can say, well, Joseph, he shouldn't have been there all by himself. Joseph, he, he, should, have, he should have fled away from that house. Well, in doing that, then the blessings of God would have been removed from that house. Blessings of God may have been removed from Joseph himself. He was where he needed to be. But this woman found him alone. And so, in, in that fine line of jo judging Joseph and being compassionate towards Joseph, we need to put ourselves there as well. And we need to learn that if we can, if we can, we need to abstain from all appearance of evil. You say, what do you mean by if we can? All right. Let's say you work out in the public and, and, and in doing so you're surrounded by men or by women 
that are constantly, they're listening to the wrong kind of music. They're constantly, they've got vulgar language. They're, they're constantly doing things and you could, you know that they've done things over the weekend and that's all they talk about. Uh, all week long and you know that on their lunch break they're going out and they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing and they're coming back. You just work around a vile bunch of people. Well, you could start calling in and say, well, I'm not going to be there today. You could quit and be unemployed. Or you could, you could do what you're supposed to do, go to work, clock in, Work, be a good servant, do everything to the best of your ability and to the glory of God, and in doing so, pray for a hedge of protection of yourself. And all the while, you can still abstain from every appearance of evil. Let's go on. Number three, the triumph of Joseph. Verse number 20, uh, 12 down through verse 23 we find that Joseph here was stripped of his clothes, but not his character. Verse number 11, it was, I believe, maybe, excuse me, verse number 12, said that he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So he left his clothes, but not his character. Integrity is something, again, that we don't talk a whole lot about. We don't, we don't deal a whole lot with integrity behind the pulpit. But as we've been going through this fruit of the Spirit and we see these things and how it is the character of God and it should be the character of God in us, the fruit of the Spirit, in that we need to consider integrity. Now this is not a self-help group, this is church. But I believe that in this we can still find a picture of a man having integrity. A man and his word being a bond. A woman and her word being a bond. Uh, this is lacking in our churches, but is lacking in our nation today. Where men and women, they just tell you what you want to hear. Where in churches, they tell you what you want to hear. I, I'm just going to step out on this and, and maybe make somebody mad. But that's why I don't believe in church. I don't believe everything that everybody tells me. I think it's a good reason why we ought to test the spirits, try the spirits. We need to wait on the discernment and the direction of God because a man's word is not what it used to be. And it's a shame in the church house that that is so, but it's still evidently so in our churches today. He left his garment, but he did not leave his character. Integrity was something important to Joseph, more important than intrigue. He could have laid, he could have stayed around and truly found out what this woman wanted. He could have tested the waters, but instead he fled as he should have and as you should. Somebody say amen. amen. And so in this, he chose integrity. Over intrigue. Some of the reasons that people are in the situations that they're in is because we've mentioned this before, because they have a lust of the flesh and they give in to it. They are intrigued by it and they want to see how far they can go and still have a good relationship with God. I'm going to help you right here. 
I'm going to help you. Every single one of us. I want you to listen to me tonight. It's so important. The, the, the fellowship with God is on such a fine line that the slightest wavering from that line can break the fellowship with God and that can remove us from that presence of God and it must be restored. It's not as if God is saying, okay, this is what parents do. One more time and you're going to get it. One more time and I'm going to do this. One more time, and parents are just lying what they're doing. You said one more time, you were going to beat me. <laughs> I should have got beaten ten more times ago. God's not up there saying, okay, one more time, one more time. It is that Holy Ghost that is so sensitive, and His presence can be quenched just like that. Whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's on the job, it may come from a word, it may come from a thought or an action, but I guarantee you we need to be ever attentive to our relationship with God. The triumph of Joseph. The best defense against temptation most times is to flee. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 18, flee Fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians 6.18 1 Corinthians 10.14 Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. So he gives us two examples here how that we ought to flee. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, he said, I want you to abstain from all appearance of evil. Here's something that is important, and you need to go back when you get home tonight. You you need to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Daddies, you need to read it with your children. Mamas, you need to read it with your children. However you want to do it, don't matter to me, but you need to read it. And here's why. Because it gives us some information in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 that leads up to verse number 13. And it talks about temptation and how that it comes. But in verse number 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And again, I, every time I read this, I have to go back to the old saying that people say all the time, uh, God will not put more on you than you can bear. Yes, He will. He will put more on you than you can bear. You can read it in, in, in uh, Paul's epistles. This verse is not saying that. He says He's not going to put more temptation on you than you can bear because when it gets to that point, He's already made a way of escape. But what we do, we get in the middle of, of temptation and we say, well, I'm this far in. I may as well finish the deed. May as well just go on. I'm already got a little dirt on me. May as well just get, get completely dirty. No. Make a way of escape. Christ has already done it. If Joseph had given in to temptation, he may have remained a slave. If he had fallen here, God may have removed His hand from him. 
Now, I don't know that, Brother Kenny, but it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Joseph's integrity brought him to jail. Now, you think about that. Joseph's integrity put him in jail. But I'm glad that that's not the end of the story. Because while in jail, Joseph's integrity, Joseph's integrity exalted him to where he was a ruler of a nation. Your integrity says more about you than your money, than your clothes. Your integrity says many things about you today. And it's something that, and again, I've said the, the, the phrase fine line multiple times tonight, but there is a fine line of, of being thankful for your integrity. Does that make sense? Man, I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't do that. And then being prideful about your integrity. Look how big of a person I am. Look what a great Christian I am. I didn't fall into that temptation. There's a fine line there, Brother Kurt. And once you cross that line, that pride has become a sin in and of itself. Let's stand. I'm going to give you this and we're going to the house. Verse number 21, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. He, he was already, he was in prison. The Lord was with Joseph. In prison, verse number 23, the Lord blessed Joseph. So I ask you tonight, we're fixing to praise the Lord, we're, be, we're, we're fixing to leave. I ask you tonight, we preach tonight about making Joseph. I wonder this evening, what makes you? What makes you? Not only what makes you, but I wonder tonight, in spite of everything that you may have been going through, or that you may go through, I wonder, will you be faithful to God in it all? Or will you have to climb out of a pit of your own making yourself?